Welcome to Many Messages. I'm Brother James, and this is a man of complete integrity. Have you ever stopped to consider what different people are called throughout the Bible? Um, like Noah, for instance, or Abram, both of them are referred to as being righteous. Uh, David is a man after God's own heart. And you have various other descriptors of them. But even those three who we look at in that way, they have instances in their life where they're not acting with God's interest in mind. They're, they're acting of their own accord. They're doing things for their own reasons, for their own, own agendas. Um, I think a lot of us tend to do that. We all want to be righteous or want to be after God's heart, but we end up doing a lot of the things in our life for our own agenda, for our own accord. There is a man mentioned in the Bible, and it's a, important to think about this, but he's not called righteous. He's not said to be after God's own heart. Instead, when you look at the book of Job in chapter 1, in the very first verse, we see a description of him that's different than everybody else in the Bible. It says, There was a man in the country of Uz named Job. He was a man of complete integrity who feared God and turned away from evil. A man of complete integrity. So it brings to mind what is integrity. What does that word mean? Because it's different. When you read the story of Job, you go into all the details that's going on. He has all these things happen to him because the devil challenges God, and God says, all right, you can do whatever you want, just don't touch him. And when the devil comes back, says, well, yeah, but you didn't let me touch him. God says, all right, you can do whatever you want, but don't kill him. And he goes through all these trials, all these horrible things, and not once does he turn away from God. His wife is telling him, curse God and die. His friends are telling him, just confess what you've done and die. And the whole time he's saying, I will not give up my integrity. I've done no wrong. Whatever this is, whatever's going on, I will continue to trust God. And you see that through his entire life. He even has this deep conversation with God, and at the end of it, God restores him, what, twofold? Because of his answers to God, because of the way he acted in the face of all these trials, the way he upheld his integrity through this entire ordeal. And so what is integrity? A lot of people would look at integrity and say, well, it's telling the truth. It's being honest, being an honest person. But I think it's more than that. I think it's a lot more than just telling the truth or being honest. Integrity is action. It's acting in right accordance with God. It's speaking the truth of God. It's being faithful to God. And it's no matter the circumstance, no matter the situation, no matter what trials you face, or where 
wherever you find yourself in life, it's turning to God and trusting in Him. When all His crops and all His flocks and even His children were killed, Job shaves his head, tears his clothes, and hits the ground, giving glory to God. And says, you give and you take away. All praise be to God. And most of us would not do that. We'd start blaming God. We'd start questioning God. And Job did question God, but he did it in such a way that even God's like, hey, you know what? Who are you to question me? But here's some answers. And we have to try our best to get into that type of mindset to where we can be a person of integrity. Because when it comes down to the end, what is going to be the title that's given to you by God? If this is God's word and this is the scripture that's used for Job is a man of complete integrity, what does that say about God or what he's looking for in people? Is he really looking for righteousness? Noah got drunk and was seen by his son. Abram lied to protect himself and called his wife his sister. And they were righteous men. David had a man killed so he because he committed adultery with the man's wife. And that's just one of the things David did. So... And he was a man after God's own heart. So what is it that God's really looking for? Because the one that he blessed twofold wasn't righteous or a man after his heart, but was a man of integrity. A few other verses I'd like to point out while talking about this. Proverbs 13, verses 5 and 6 say, The righteous hate lying, but the wicked act disgustingly and disgracefully. Righteousness guards people of integrity, but wickedness undermines the sinner. And what's that saying is that if you are a righteous person, as what you see with with Noah and Abram, you're supposed to hate lying. But Abraham lied and says the wicked act disgustingly and disgracefully. So the opposite of righteous would be wicked. And it says, righteousness guards people of integrity. So, see, it's important that no matter what you're doing in life, to have integrity, to act in accordance to God's will, to speak in that way. So, it's very important. So, when you continue on in Job, you see a few other things. Um, like I said, his wife told him, curse God and die. Here's one of the instances where his wife's speaking in Job chapter 2. Starting in verse 9, it says, His wife said to him, Do you still retain your integrity? Curse God and die. And here's Job's rebuttal to her. You speak as a foolish woman speaks, he told her. Should we accept only good from God and not adversity? Throughout all of this, Job did not sin in what he said. Job questioned his wife's... Um, comments where she tells him you know let go of your integrity and curse God and die she knew he was being integral but he was still willing to suffer through all this she knew that he hadn't done anything but she was telling him just accept it and die 
And Job's ask her, says, should we only accept good from God? Really? That's, that's all you want is what God has to give you that's good? Oh, if God gives you adversity, just go ahead and get it over with. No. Job says we have to take the adversity too. We have to take the trials that we're faced with. We have to take the things that come up in life that we find uncomfortable or unsettling or even frustrating in our life. And in doing that and saying that, Job was not sinning in what he said. In fact, he was speaking truth. He was acting with integrity. And you continue on, and there's more conversations that go on throughout the book, but we skip down to chapter 27, starting in verse 2. This is a statement that Job made in response to somebody else's questioning and telling him just to get this over with. Job's statement needs to be a proclamation that we all make. And here's what he says. He says, As God lives, who has deprived me of justice, and the Almighty, who has made me bitter, as long as my breath is still in me, and the breath from God remains in my nostrils, my lips will not speak unjustly, and my tongue will not utter deceit. I will never affirm that you are right. I will maintain my integrity until I die. I will cling to my righteousness and never let it go. My conscience will not accuse me as long as I live. That is a bold statement from Job. He is in the middle of having turmoil and boils, and he's sitting in the dust, and he's wearing sackcloth, and he's nasty. And he looks like a dead man walking. If you, if you picture a zombie movie and think about that, he probably looks that bad or worse. And he's saying, no. I will not turn from God. No, I will not utter things against God. I will cling to my integrity. I will cling to my righteousness. I will keep this, and my conscience will not accuse me. And so we see that Job is, is a man different than the others. The others, as soon as some kind of adversity comes up or some kind of opportunity of weakness comes up, they give in. And Job stands firm in all of this that's going on in his life. And it's something that we need to do too. We need, we need to learn how to act with integrity. We need to learn how to remain in that type of situation. And Solomon, that a lot of people think that Job may have been earlier, but it may have been around the time of Solomon. But Solomon wrote... In Proverbs chapter 2, because he wrote Proverbs for his sons. And he wrote in Proverbs chapter 2 a little letter for his sons. It starts in verse 1. It says, My son, if you accept my words and store up my commands with you, listening closely to wisdom and directing your heart to understanding, furthermore, if you call out to insight and lift your voice to understanding if you seek it like silver and search for it like a hidden treasure there you will understand the fear of the Lord and discover the knowledge of God for the Lord gives wisdom from his mouth come knowledge and understanding he stores up success for the upright he is a shield for those who live with integrity so that he may guard the paths of justice 
and protect the way of his loyal followers. Then you will understand righteousness, justice, and integrity, every good path. For wisdom will enter your mind and knowledge will delight your heart. Solomon is telling his son, this is how you have to live so that you can understand the ways of God. And one of the key things in there is to have integrity, to live and talk and breathe in such an accordance that you're with the will of God at all times, that no matter what's going on, you trust in the wisdom and knowledge that comes only from God. And that only comes from being upright and righteous and especially from having integrity and trusting in God. And you, he says you have to have such a desire for that type of knowledge that you look for it like a hidden treasure, that you hunt for it like somebody who's digging for silver or for gold or for whatever kind of precious thing that people hunt for. And you have to give that mindset over to God. And Paul gives us a small outline in his letter to Titus of what it means for Christians. And in chapter 2 of Titus, Paul wrote this. He said, But you are to proclaim things consistent with sound teaching. You are to proclaim things consistent with sound teaching. So you're not supposed to make things up. You're not supposed to do whatever is consistent with worldly teaching. You're not supposed to do what's consistent with the culture of the time. But you're supposed to do things with sound teaching. And sound teaching comes back to Proverbs where you're seeking after God's knowledge. Where you're living an integral life where you're living an upright life in accordance to the will of God. And he continues on giving specific instructions to different people in the congregation. He says, Older men are to be self-controlled, worthy of respect, sensible, and sound in faith, love, and endurance. So there's the instruction for the older men. And then he goes on, In the same way, older women are to be reverent in behavior, not slanderers, not slaves to excessive drinking. They are to teach what is good so that they may encourage the young women to love their husbands and to love their children, to be self-controlled, pure, workers at home, kind, and in submission to their husbands so that God's word will not be slandered. So he's given instruction to the older men to be this way, to be respectful, to be respected, worthy of having respect, actually, is what he says, to have self-control over their thoughts and actions, to be sensible, and to be sound in their faith, love, and in their endurance, which means they have to be able to suffer the hyperactiveness of younger people. <laughs> and he says the same thing to... Um, the older women, that they're to be reverent. They're not to be slanderers, which means don't talk about people. Don't spread gossip, okay? Uh, they're not to be slaves to excessive drinking. Yeah, I could see where an older mother would probably want to be an excessive drinker. 
but he says don't give in to that. Uh, and they're supposed to teach what's good so that they can encourage the younger women who are just getting married, just starting to have kids, encourage them how to be a faithful wife. Encourage them to love their husbands and love their children and also teach them how to be self-controlled and pure and to be good workers at their home, to be kind. And it says to be in submission to their husbands so that God's word will not be slandered. I'm going to pause there because that's going to raise a lot of red flags for a lot of people. To be in submission to their husbands does not mean that their husbands get to walk all over them. In a marriage, there are two people. And on most things, those two people will be in the same mind when it comes to a decision. Sometimes they're not. The Bible says this, that the woman is supposed to be submissive to their husband. This is where that comes in play. If the husband says something different than the wife, the husband voice overrules. And sometimes my wife would probably agree, it's better to let him fail and learn the hard way because he's probably going to come back and do it her way anyway. But the idea is that if there's a split decision, he has the voice. But on most things, you're supposed to be on the same mindset anyway. It does not mean that he gets to walk all over you. And husbands, hear me out. It does not mean that you get to walk all over her. There are actual verses where it says you, you are supposed to be like Christ is to the church. Loving, merciful, willing to die. That's why the church is called the Bride of Christ. It's because he was those things for us. That's what we are supposed to be for our wives. Not overbearing, overpowering, or controlling. But that side note aside, let's move on. Paul continues writing to Titus. And he says, in the same way, encouraging the young men... Okay, we covered the old men and the old women. Now it's to the young men to be self-controlled in everything. He acknowledges young men have a tendency not to be self-controlled. Learn how to be self-controlled. Make yourself an example of good works with integrity and dignity in your teaching. With integrity and dignity in your teaching. Make yourself a good, an example of good works. So, young men, know that people are watching you, especially children. They're watching you. You're supposed to be the strong ones, the backbone of your church, of your community, of your family. You need to be doing things with self-control and being a good example of integrity and dignity. It says, your message is to be sound beyond reproach so that any opponent will be ashamed because he doesn't have anything bad to say about us. You're the ones that people want to argue with. They don't want to argue with the old people. They want to argue with the young people. So if your message isn't sound in accordance with God's will and God's word and God's plan, if it's not sound and beyond reproach, which means it's fully backed up by the word, 
then these people will make a fool out of you who want to make argument with you. But if you are sound in your teachings, if your message is with with every bit backed up by the word, and you are beyond reproach in your message because it is in accordance with God's will, these people have no leg to stand on when they argue with you. And it's because you have integrity and dignity. And then he continues, he says, Slaves are to submit to their masters in everything and to be well-pleasing, not talking back or stealing, but demonstrating utter faithfulness so that they may adorn the teaching of God our Savior in everything. That paragraph can be applied to anybody who finds herself under authority of somebody else. It's not directed necessarily straight at slaves. So we cannot just ignore this because we don't have slavery. We have employees and employer relationships. We have landlord-landee relationships. We have all sorts of relationships where we find ourselves in a position faced with someone with more authority than us. If it's citizen versus law enforcement, whatever it is, it says we're to be submissive to our masters and everything and to be well-pleasing. Don't talk back, don't steal, but demonstrate faithfulness so that they may adorn the teaching of God our Savior in everything. In other words, you act with integrity even when you're not the person who has the authority. They tell you to do something, you comply in accordance to God's will. And Paul continues on, he says, For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, instructing us to deny godlessness and worldly lust and to live in a sensible, righteous, and godly way in the present age while we wait for the blessed hope and appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ. He gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to cleanse for himself a people for his own possession, eager to do good works. Proclaim these things, Encourage and rebuke with all authority and let no one disregard you. This is the simple instructions that Paul gave to Titus on how Christians act with integrity and how the message of integrity that we see in Job, how staying strong in your faith with God, maintaining righteousness throughout your life, keeping your dignity as a person who follows God, as a follower of God, how this applies to a Christian life. It's found right here in Paul's letter to Titus, and especially in the message that all of this is done because of what Christ done for us. He lived a perfect, sinless life so that our sin could be taken away because he died for it. He paid the price for what we have done. And because of that, we should be willing to try our best to live a life of integrity and life honoring God through all things, through all our actions, all our speech, everything that we do. 
to be a life of integrity. And at the end of all things, when we're given a descriptor, what will it be? Will we be a righteous man who walked with God, but later in our life did something sinful? Or will we be a man of complete integrity, like what Job was described as? It's something to think on, it's something to consider, and it's something that we all should all be working towards. Will we be considered people of complete integrity, or will we just be righteous men who mess up later? With that, I want to leave you with a short prayer. Lord, Father, help us and guide us to live integral lives in your honor, Lord. We know we mess up. We know we sin. We know we're not perfect, and we ask that you take those things away from us and that you give us an integral life, a life of complete integrity, so that in all things that we do, in all things that we say, we are honoring to you. We are upholding your laws, and we are making your church stronger. And all these things we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. If you've enjoyed this content, please visit my website, www.brotherjamesparty.com to view and listen to more content that I've been able to put out. You can also subscribe to the website there and receive updates as new material comes out. And also, you can either go to patreon.com slash brotherjamesparty or you can click the Patreon button at the bottom of the welcome page and you would be helping me out into bringing you further, better, more in-depth content I would greatly appreciate it. Love you guys. Thanks so much.